Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, excellent. All right, let's do this. Uh, rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. FBI Radio recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, Bill Shorten and Anthony Albanese compete to see who gets to not have to lead the Labour Party for the next three years. And the Daily Telegraph reports on the bicycle wars of Sydney because reporting on the civil war in Syria is what you'd expect a newspaper to do. And we talk with Amanda McKenzie, who was instrumental in setting up the Climate Commission and decommissioning it, and we ask her, when will Tim Flannery apologise for everything? That's tonight on Irrational Fair! Your fear is rational. Welcome to this very special Irrational Fringe. Yes, live-ish from the Sydney Fringe Festival. I'm your host, Dan Ellick, and this is Irrational Fear, the show that's just about as frustrating as iOS 7. Uh, later on, I'll be tying my cardigan around my neck and we'll be taking a close, closer look at the incoming US ambassador to Australia, John Berry. But before that, let's get lubed up and finger our Fringe fear mongers for tonight. From ABC 2's The Roast, Mark Humphreys, you've got nothing but bad news. That's because I've been looking at uh, news.com.au and it's the worst place you can get your news from, I can tell you that. And from FBI Radio, Hannah Mae Riley, is a manned mission to Mars a reality? Oh, it's better than a reality, Dan. It's reality television, so it's probably going to be picked up by Channel 10 in favour of actual narrative content. Be shot on Cronulla Beach, you get cancelled after three weeks. So, you know, a success. <laughs> YouTube's Neil Kohatka. Why are you interested in anti-discrimination laws? Because they leave a sour taste in my mouth, kind of like African-American jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> and hailing from Twitter, it's Joe Thornley. Can you handle the truth, Joe Thornley? I can show you on the doll where the truth touched me, Dan. Oh, good, excellent. <laughs> and from Triple J, as always, Lewis Hobber. Are you the whitest black guy in Australia? <laughs> that question has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight. No, it's just that I'm actually <laughs> genuinely interested. The answer is, yeah, boy! 
Now with more misses, now with more near misses than a Qantas flight, it's time for a rational fear. A rational fear. Your fear is rational. Now it's safe to say politicians overseas are really like Anthony Weiner. They're really getting the hang of social media. Um, but Polly's here too are doing a pretty good job reporting from the inside. Like Craig Emerson this week, he tweeted a great image of a typo on Senator Michaela Cash's freshly minted door. Among her portfolios listed included one we've never heard of before, the Minister for Assisting the Prime Minister for Woman. <laughs> guys, how do you guys feel about uh, Tony Abbott being the Prime Minister for Woman? Whoever she is, she pulled a fucking short straw. <laughs> I, I want him to choose one of his daughters to be the only woman. Right. Watch the other ones fight. Tied knife fight for the win. <laughs> this, is, this is the hypothetical woman that he will be Prime Minister of. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone, like every woman gets one hour with him to like just hang out, do the ironing, get paid less, pillow and, fight. And as Hannah say, pull his short straw. <laughs> Ooh. We got there. It was a penis thing. <laughs> but among social media failings of Polly's, of Polly's uh, a ray of sunshine appeared from a video from the new incoming US ambassador to Australia, John Berry. Here's a sample. Hi, I'm John Berry, the new US ambassador to Australia. I'm a native of the Washington DC area and I love the outdoors. I'm also one of the few people lucky enough to have swum at the North Pole and stood atop the South. My spouse, Curtis Yee, is a triathlete from Hawaii who loves anything involving salt water and waves. As a young boy, the Smithsonian National Zoo opened my eyes to the importance of protecting our wildlife and our environment. It's home to giant pandas and a lion that I was very lucky to have named for me while I was director here. As ambassador, I hope to deepen our cooperation in science and conservation. Curtis and I would love to hear from you on which places we should visit. So please send us your suggestions on the Embassy's Facebook page. We can't wait to see you about. Amazing. Openly gay, married and wants to deepen cooperation in science and conservation. Something tells me John Berry chose Australia because he missed out on New Zealand. Um, <laughs> now, after watching that video, uh, would you guys like to have a beer with John Berry, do you think? I want to have a podium dance with him. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to yeah, run for the uh, Labor leadership. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'd yeah. have a beer with him, but I wouldn't offer him any wet pussies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, the only way... The only way it could have been more annoying for Tony Abbott for him to arrive is if he came by, like, P&O and he was also a boat person. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it a good use of social media, you think? Just kind of introducing yourself to a whole nation via YouTube? Well, no one saw it. <laughs> right? like where, if Lewis, I reject that. Uh, I saw it several times. Yeah, those yeah. Are heavily it's invested in researching <laughs> a comedy show for ABC2 <laughs> saw Everyone the thing. Everyone needs to check it out. It's so we've, got a, we've got a straw poll here of six people who've come to see Irrational Fear. Um, <laughs> uh, how many people have seen the John Berry video? Oh, there's, oh, there's one, two, three. Oh, yeah, about 12. That's good. Well, uh, 12 out of six ain't bad. <laughs> I think my favourite bit of that is how they named a lion John. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a shit zoo yeah. name. Such an emasculated lion. Yeah. Oh, stop name. it, John. <laughs> uh, well, he's not the only one making a video announcing his arrival. Former Premier of Victoria Steve Brax was due to fly out this week to take up a new role of Consul General in New York City. But thanks to the Noalition, those plans have been put on hold. But that didn't stop uh, Steve Brax from making a video of his very own. Look, it's Steve Brax here. Former Premier of Victoria. Now, uh, 
Now, I was going to be Consul General in New York, and I'm not going to get that job now. Look, it's fallen through, but that's, that's no problem at all. I'd, I don't want to be Consul General in New York. It's just a cushy job. It's well paid in a smelly city. Now, who wants that? Of course, the other problem is you'd have to leave Victoria. You'd have to leave Victoria, and that's not fun. Because they don't have coffee in New York. Uh, they don't have trams. Uh, they don't have pie face. They don't have the AFL. They don't have, uh, they don't have the Pollywood side. It's a ship, it's an old ship. Only we have old ships in Victoria. And they don't have them in, in New York. They don't have anything in New York. Uh, they're called in New York, New York. Well, well, that's no big deal because we've got Wagga Wagga. That's been named twice too. Now, I know that's in, not in Victoria, but you can't get coffee in Wagga Wagga and you can't, you can't get on a tram and they don't have AFL in Wagga Wagga. So maybe somebody from Wagga Wagga should be the Consul General of New York. I don't think anybody should be the Consul General of New York because it's not a very nice town. But we've got a good town here. It's called Melbourne, and that's where I'm going to stay. So if I want to go to New York, I'll just go to one of the musical. Maybe New York, New York, the musical. Because we, we like musicals here in Victoria. That's what we're about. That's what we like to do. Speaking of which, I've got two tickets for the Book of Mormon if anybody wants them. If you give us a call, that'd be great. I'm going to be in London. I love big cities. Hey, 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 hey. Irrational fear. Irrational fear. Yeah, yeah, I'm up at Brooklyn. Now well, they said it couldn't be done, but the coalition have done it. Ten days into the new administration, the boats have stopped. <laughs> being reported. Um, now, yeah, yeah. The, the new government has decided to take the goalposts of transparency and throw them overboard by placing media blackouts on the reporting of boat arrivals. This is just the latest measure from the coalition government to ensure that the Australian public are less informed than ever before. Last week, a slew of government departments were herded up like cattle and sent to the Tony abattoir to find out to find out more about the cuts in the public service we're joined by minister lewis hobbit no oh thank you dad very much appreciate it yeah, just no testing the microphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now uh, mr hobbit the coalition has promised to inform the public less and and then have and have appointed you the minister for misinformation half true dan that is my role but it's minister for mr information this is a coalition cabinet we don't have any room for anyone called miss right yeah <laughs> Now, the previous government gave daily updates when the boats uh, carrying asylum seekers arrived in Australia. Why has your government decided to put a media blackout on such reporting? Well, Dan, no news is good news. Although, that's not quite right for us. The only news that's good news is News Corp. They've been very cooperative. <laughs> but don't the public have a right to know about these arrivals? Debatable. If you don't know about the boats, can you care about the boats? If a tree falls in a forest and squashes a greenie but there's no one to report it, will charges be laid? Probably not. And if you don't know the facts about climate change, can you have an opinion? Of course you can. Opinions are fun. Unlike facts, they're always right. Right. Now, Mr Hobber, apart from your commitment to telling the public less, you've also made a lot of cuts to departments that inform our country in other ways. Oh, really? I didn't hear about that. Which ones? Oh, tertiary education. Everyone in the cabinet's already been to uni. We really didn't see any point in having them. <laughs> okay. What about science and research? Our research told us science was for nerds. Mental health, ageing and disability reform. Those spastics have had it too good for too long. They need a hand up, not a hand out or a hand. <laughs> International development and tourism. If you want to stop the boat, stop advertising the destination. Right. Um... <laughs> What about the Ministry for Youth, Mr Hobber? Well, I'm not worried about immigrants taking my job, Dan. I'm, 
I'm worried about young people taking my job. They're the number one threat. Look at Neil. He's brown and on the wrong side of 14 years and nine months. <laughs> Neil Kolhatkar is the real enemy number one. Okay, look, in all of this cutting uh, by the Ministry of Misinformation... Mr. Information. Sorry. Uh, do, do you seriously think that information flows will stop? Already this week, the Climate Commission has been rebranded as the Climate Council. There are already people tweeting about boat arrivals from Christmas Island. You know what? You need to use Twitter, Dan. What? The internet. Oh, you're not going to. And we're going to chop at each up. Is there anything you? Is there anything at all you want the public to be informed about? We just want to make sure everyone knows everything is going just fine. Is it? I actually have no idea. It's bloody hard work finding anything out anymore. Thanks for your time. What is the time? I don't know. Perfect. Dan, if you really want to know what we've achieved in the last ten days, then you should just ask the people in the street, which I have done and carefully crafted this package for you to listen to. Mm. Oh, yeah, you know, it's a shame there aren't more women in the Cabinet. Tony Abbott said it was a shame. Uh, but it's not as if he has any say in that. I mean, who knows how Cabinet is chosen? It's not like there's some powerful minister, like some kind of uh, prime minister who can just, like, make these decisions. Let's face it. If climate change was a problem, there would be a ministry for it. No-one's talked about stopping the boats for about a week. He must have done it already. In one week. Before the election, all we heard about was this economic emergency. Now, ten days after the election, I haven't heard a thing. <laughs> you see, there used to be all these people fleeing from awful places like Papua New Guinea, and they used to have to come here, which is so awful. So now we are sending them back to Papua New Guinea, which is lovely. Well, you know, like a big issue right now is women's rights, and Tony Abbott knows this, so he's put his best man on the job himself. A rational fear. Ladies and gentlemen, Hannah Mae Riley! Thanks for clapping me up. You didn't have to do that. Ah, oh, here we go. If I've learned anything from this past election as a bright-eyed bushy-tailed young optimist. It's that people are basically shit. So I'm here to warm your heart with the latest venture of man's reaching for the celestial heights. From the producer of Robot Wars and Britain's Worst Driver comes Mars One, an actual reality television show surrounding the establishment of a human colony on Mars by the year 2023. And for those of you who weren't blown away by Mars One's first two credentials, the show is also being made in consultation with one of our last election's greatest pandering vehicles, Big Brother. Oh, and oh shit, I almost forgot there's um, actually one small catch to this mission in case you're hooked already. Once you take the eight-month flight and by the grace of God actually arrive on Mars, you can never come back to Earth. You're leaving everyone and everything you have ever known here on Earth to eventually die in an inhospitable environment with unbreathable air, no other life forms, and a balmy average temperature of around minus 58 degrees. It's basically space Detroit. <laughs> but Mars One's chief medical officer did state that, uh, look, if uh, somebody's an outdoors person who says, I need my mountains, I need to smell the flowers, then it's not the mission for him. So... If you're either a fan of naturally occurring oxygen and sunlight, or you're a woman, you're going to hate Mars One. So who are they looking for to start this new human colony on Mars? Surely people with special skills and, and qualifications. Maybe a mechanic, a scientist. Why not even a cheeky astronaut or two? Nope. The number one quality in a candidate that Mars One is looking for, and say it with me, 
people skills. <laughs> people who, and I quote, have a willingness to build and maintain healthy relationships, a can-do attitude and a great sense of humour. Is someone this socially gifted, so beloved, someone who reaches John Berry levels of sweater set adorability, likely to give up their packed social calendar here on Earth for an eternity of barren solitude on a cold and hostile planet? Fat fucking chance, Mars One. Yeah, you're going to get the A-team of mid-40s male chronic masturbators with Asperger's syndrome and a messiah complex. You're going to get a cornucopia of the most self-important assholes who will truly that they think they have the potential to be a leader of men. Men who believe they are destined for something greater than spending every Friday night at home jacking off in their racing car bed. They could be spending every Friday night jacking off in space. Racing car beds are also okay to do that too. It's totally fine. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. Don't believe me? Let's take a look at some of Mars One's actual candidate videos from their website. We've got David, a 26-year-old male from the US who films from his bedroom webcam wearing only a thick silver chain and a tattoo that probably says Mad Dog in Asian, says he's qualified because I always keep it real with maths, science, tools and words. Or what about Effie, a 30-year-old male from Russia who has chosen to wear a fetching cowboy hat in his video who says he's qualified because uh, I have come to a point where I can no longer find regular job in this world. <laughs> and uh, if situation comes to using shit as a material component or eating a fallen comrade, I'm your guy because I'm realistic about the challenges I'm going to face. These are all actual quotes, by the way. <laughs> An unemployable cannibal with a scatological fetish? Suit up, mate, you're coming to space. (laughs) Or what about Vincius, a 20-year-old male from South Africa who says, I believe making joking is a great way to spend time and that sarcasm is necessary. Um, I don't really think sarcasm was the exact brand of humour that would be most helpful in an astronaut. Yeah, things are going great. We've got heaps of oxygen left because the portal to the control room definitely didn't explode and suck out half the crew. Oh, but don't worry, Comrade Effie here is doing a bang-up job of using his own shit to patch the hole. Yeah, mission accomplished, everyone. Thinking regular civilians qualify for this mission is, if anything, a proud testament to man's optimism. But as the saying goes, shoot for the moon. And even if you miss, that wasn't even the place we were meant to be going, you fuckwit. What did I expect? You're completely unqualified. Thank you. Irrational fear. And I'm a It's not rocket science. Don't forget your microphone. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, what's our fascination with Mars? Do we, do, we, do we really need to go there, Mark? I think, I think we made a mistake by naming the species that lives there before we found it. Because like, <laughs> we've grown up with Marvin the Martian and my favourite Martian. There are no Martians. We haven't done it well, for Saturn or any of the other planets. I think we, we shot our load too early on Mars. <laughs> well, if Mars 1 does go ahead, there will be Martians because there will be children born on the colony wow. in space that will never come to Earth. Oh, yeah, and there will be like space semen. Being Jack. <laughs> now, Lewis, uh, I know for a fact you're a Marsophile. Yeah, fact. <laughs> yeah, why? Why do? You, why do you care so much about Mars? It's just ages away. <laughs> it's like ages away. It's like Adelaide, but more. <laughs> what will the human race gain from going to Mars? Like, 
Um, well, I mean, particularly with the Mars One thing, basically we're sending like a cast of Big Brother to yep. die on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. Well, and they're already from another planet. They live in the Gold Coast. No. There could be no greater reward. Yeah. <laughs> I well, want to see hot dogs running out of oxygen. Well, they say like try, when you're trying to kick a bad habit, like smoking or gambling, a change of scene is the best cure. And maybe this is just man's way to kick the habit of ruining everything yeah. by going to Mars. Would make a great offshore processing facility. <laughs> it truly would. <laughs> a rational fear when making contact with Voyager is easier than a phone call on Vodafone. A rational fear. We've Ladies and gentlemen, Lewis Hubbard. Of telling politicians what they want to hear. Sorry, give me a God damn it. All right, there we go. In a world where people are too short for Lewis Hubbard. <laughs> Everyone's too short. All right, I like the BYO microphone thing. <clears throat> hey guys, did you hear about that totes cool new guy everyone's talking about? Yeah, I did. Have you seen his hat? Yeah. And his shoes? Yeah. And have you heard he has a direct line to God? Amazeballs. <laughs> this is how kids are talking at the moment about Pope Francis. <laughs> That's right. We got a cool Pope on our hands. He's probably not a kiddie fiddler, but he's definitely down with the kids. <laughs> have you heard how cool and awesome the cool new, cool new Pope is? Only a few weeks ago, he was in trouble from the Vatican for taking selfies with teenage pilgrims. In Australia, that was worrying. We'd just gotten rid of the last megalomaniacal leader who learned the word selfies, and he binged on them like a teenage girl with unlimited Wi-Fi and limited self-esteem. <laughs> yes, Michael Jackson was the king of pop, but Francis is the king of popes. Since he's been fully popified, Francis has refused to move into the palatial pope quarters because they're too fancy. He's been making random calls to people in the phone book just to say hi. He's even ditched the Pope-mobile for his old second-hand 1984 Renault, which he insists on driving himself. I guess the benefit of having a 76-year-old Pope behind the wheel is he'll be sending plenty of pedestrians to heaven much earlier than expected. <laughs> the Pope is so super cool. When he was asked about homosexuality, he said he saw no reason that God wouldn't love gay people. When he was asked about contraception and abortion, he said Catholics were too focused on it. For the last few months, if someone had used the old saying, is the Pope a Catholic? You would have said, I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know how he could possibly get down with the kids anymore. He's already one of the most popular people on Twitter. Maybe he could have a crack at Tinder. <laughs> You'd think the church would be all over Instagram. Catholic opinions are nothing if not vintage. We'll know Pope Mania has hit fever pitch when the with the youth if text speak starts taking on Catholic meanings. LOL will mean love our Lord. DTF might, won't mean down to fuck. It'll mean down to find out more about our Lord. And OMG will mean exactly the same, but people will actually know what the G means. I can't believe that, that the cool Pope just calls people. The other day he just called a guy to say happy birthday. We're talking about a guy who has a direct line to God. He's calling strangers. Either the Pope's lonely or God is a rubbish conversationalist. Which makes sense because I think it'd be super annoying to talk to an omnipresent, all-knowing being. Be like, hey God, you hear about... Yep. I did. I made it happen. I make it all happen. I'm making this conversation happen. I don't have to be a jerk about it. I invented the word jerk. You know what else cool Pope did recently? He said you can be an atheist and still get into heaven. 
Well, didn't that let the cat out of the bloody bag? <laughs> Heaven's the only bargaining chip Catholics have left. You think teenagers are going to church every week for the wafer and the sing-along? Fuck no! They're going because their parents told them they'll miss out on the afterlife because they jacked off into a sock. This is huge! Let's be honest, most of us can get through life obeying the Ten Commandments. Don't kill anyone. Don't have sex with married people. Don't nick anything. Be nice to your mum and dad. Some of them are actually easier for an atheist. Thou shalt have no other gods. It's no worries, I don't have one. Remember the Sabbath? You think I'm going to forget how great Sundays are? Thou shalt not bear false witness. I don't know what that means, but I'm probably <laughs> obeying it. But cool Pope isn't cool news for everyone. His don't sweat the small stuff message is a big problem for people who have made a career out of sweating the small stuff harder than a biggest loser contestant. Passages like Leviticus 20.13, forbidding a man from lying with another man, have become very useful for people who are terrified that the gays will sneak into their bedroom at night and ruin their straight marriages. And while they're there, redecorate the bedroom in a min minimalistic but charmingly rustic fashion. <laughs> Even our very own Prime Minister has, has used his Catholicism to guide the nation into a future of love and acceptance. Who can forget when Tony Abbott said that boat people were unchristian because they were coming in through the back door? Unfortunately for Tony, the behaviour of Catholic priests would suggest the back door isn't something they're totally against. I don't know exactly what's unchristian about boat people. I guess Tony thinks that asylum seekers didn't love thy neighbour enough. But the truth is, I don't trust cool Pope either. I get nervous when religion gets cool. It upsets the natural order of things. Being cool is all about being against the establishment. You can't be the most important part of the establishment and still be cool. Unless you're Karl Stefanovic, he seems to make it work. <laughs> but the Pope has less chance of doing his Christmas address drunk and talking about how great his wife's ass is. Popes should not mention asses. I don't know about you, but I liked it when the head of the Catholic Church was more like my grandparents. Scared of change and driving a very safe car. And thankfully, it seems like we won't have to worry about cool Pope for much longer. The Vatican Council has been very busy this week correcting all of Pope Francis's comments about homosexuality, contraception and abortion. According to the Vatican, cool Pope didn't say, let's not hate the gays. No, 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 no. He said, let's not hate on the deus, which is Latin for God. <laughs> Trust me, God, he'll st God still hates fags. And their progressiveness seems to be rubbing off on cool Pope. This week, Francis spoke to a group of doctors and said that they should refuse to perform abortions, not for a reason of faith, but for a reason of science. So that's the end of Cool Pope, <clears throat> which I'm relieved about, because if the Pope got too culturally cool, then other cultural things would start becoming Catholic. All <laughs> movies would be Passion of the Christ, all TV would be Seventh Heaven, and all music would be by Nickelback. And we should all thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> Irrational fear. Thanks, Lewis. Now, uh, Joe, what can other religions do to, you know, be cool again? I think obviously twerking and tweeting about Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> right, very good. Sorry, just quickly, what's? Uh, I regret to ask this. What's, what's Tinder? Is it is it a sex thing? Is that, is that it can be. It's on the internet, Mark. It's on the internet. So, okay, um, so I'm guessing it's a sex thing. Yeah, it's a big time <laughs> sex thing. Yeah, okay. Mark, Mark is my favourite 60 year old wrapped in a 25 year old's body. Uh, <laughs> and that's his byline on Tinder. <laughs> Irrational fear when getting down with the kids doesn't result in a royal commission. Oh, irrational fear. Mark Humphrey! Centimeters of 
outside. Before I get started, I just want to make it clear that I've not made up any of the article titles that I'll be alluding to in this. All real, all news.com.au. <laughs> so keeping that in mind, let's begin. From today's news.com.au homepage, want to ring? Make your man 300 sandwiches. World's fattest man loses 304 kilos, finds love. And bachelor puts stripper rumours to bed. <laughs> news.com.au is not a news site. It's no more of a news site than Photoshop is a shop where you can buy photos. <laughs> Instead, it's news in the same way that your Facebook news feed is news, in that it's a stream of mostly irrelevant things that are newer than yesterday's irrelevant <laughs> things. Now, of course, I, I've cherry-picked the, uh, the worst headlines there. Of course, there are other more worthy articles on the site. But when you go to the homepage, those worthy articles are buried away under a pile of stories about someone or other's miracle baby or actors who look better with a beard. Uh, and before you know it, they've sucked you down a Rihanna-shaped wormhole. <laughs> and, and, and just on that previous point... There have been so many miracle babies. I tell you what, the Pope must be canonising saints around the clock. I don't get it. <laughs> now, when they do feature, say, a political story, you get articles like one they had this week titled, Kevin Rudd still PM, according to Twitter. <laughs> still says... It turns out it still says Prime Minister in Rudd's Twitter bio. Now, that was worth half a page of analysis. <laughs> the story is accredited to News Limited's staff writers, the poor folk forced to write this stuff, who presumably choose not to be named. Uh, and I do hope it was writers plural, because you need a team for this sort of story. Uh, I love the way news.com.au is formatted. It's wonderfully spaced out. Each sentence just about gets its own paragraph, seemingly designed for people who follow the words with their finger as they read. And lots of, lots of big pictures as well, so you don't get bored. Now... Well, so, yeah, what's that? A story about space exploration? Well, here's a picture of E.T. He knows about space. <laughs> now, I, I work on a show where every morning we compile a list of stories that we might want to, uh, like to cover. And you can always tell when someone has succumbed to the temptation to retrieve a story from news.com.au because the stories will read, Albanese and Shorten hold first debate, uh, Telstra announces plans to cut 1,100 jobs, and drunk YouTube star sings Queen, runs for mayor. <laughs> That's a real one from today's homepage. Also, if you are a colleague of mine, this is me publicly shaming you to stop putting those articles on that list. Right? Now, but why should we care about whether uh, news.com.au is a real news site? Well, because according to last month's Nielsen online ratings, news.com.au is Australia's most visited news website with over 3 million unique users. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. An audience of that size, and I think an audience of that size comes with a certain responsibility, which is why it was highly irresponsible of them to publish an article as they did last week with the title, Can You Spot a Pedophile? <laughs> like it's Where's Wally? Now, but don't go looking for the guy with chapped lips and streaky hair and, you know, fluorescent tight beach shorts. It turns out news.com.au's got you covered. It turns out just about every man is a potential paedophile. Indeed, the very first person they tell you to look out for is, quote, the everyman. <laughs> Another good tip here, quote, what to look out for is... <laughs> Another good tip here, quote, what to look out for is someone whose friends might also be sex offenders. Oh, shit, I think we just cracked it wide open. <laughs> 
The, the article begins with a photo of a man who they describe as a convicted paedophile killer. Uh, this guy sounds like a hero, but before you start thinking... <laughs> killing paedophiles all over the place? What a champion. But before you start thinking that he's some sort of Van Helsing of the paedophile world, <laughs> turns out it's just poor punctuation. They forgot to put the comma between paedophile and killer. It's classicnews.com.au. <laughs> Now, it may be petty of me to focus on punctuation with regard to, to something like this, uh, and it would be if they hadn't today published an article on their homepage titled, Explained Punctuation You Don't Know How to Use. <laughs> we don't know how to use the nerve. A apparently today is National Punctuation Day, so, you know, buy a ribbon or something. Uh, part of the trouble is also that there's something inherently authoritative about the name news.com.au. Like, if you want the official word uh, on the AFL, you'd go to afl.com.au. But unfortunately, news.com.au is more like what happens if you go to food.com.au. Now, if you type in food.com.au, you'll see that it redirects you to a website called Calorie King, which promotes itself as, quote, Australia's biggest and best weight control club. Now, I feel like that's the opposite of food, weight control. <laughs> so equally, equally, when you look up news.com.au, you have a right to be disappointed when instead of news, there are headlines like, Miley tweets monkey twerk. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> there really is no more apt description than news limited. Thanks very much. <laughs> A rational theory. A growing Mark number Humphreys. of adrenaline junkies, mostly young males, are using our public transport networks now, as their playgrounds for news acts of sheer stupidity. Now, news's revenues have dropped $350 million this year, or three times more than Fairfax's. Now, if you had one piece of advice for News Corp to boost its profits, what, what would it be, Joe Thornley? Um, stop paying me to write for them, so that's probably all I should say. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any tips, Hannah? Well, I have a great idea, but I can't leave this room. Uh, I, would, I would say that they would uh, pitch an idea for a television show that combines all of the journalistic integrity of the site you were just talking about and all the success of the internet, a current affair, the porn. <laughs> I'll tell you, what, what, what's funny about that is there are three people from a current affair sitting in the front row. <laughs> well, and they've, well all, well, well they've all just copyrighted well that done, idea. Well I'll tell you, if they want to raise profits, I'm hearing great things about crowdfunding. So that's, um, yeah. And we're about to hear some more. Um, now, one of the strangest campaigns, like particularly this month uh, in, um, in Daily Telegraph in particular, is a campaign against cyclists in Sydney and cycling. Who benefits from a campaign like this, Lewis? Rollerbladers. <laughs> There's no Pain doubt about it. Yeah, as soon as the less bikes on the road, the quicker we can get back to four wheels on each foot and the freedom of the future. <laughs> Daily Telegraph editor uh, Cole Allen is known for two things. One, rollerblading, and two, pissing in sinks. That's really good. A rational fear, because we be tapping your phone while we be tapping your mum. Hey, a rational fear. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Thornley. That's right. Uh, the recent election outcome has made us face some uncomfortable truths. Uh, the biggest of which is that the majority of Australians don't think or vote the same way as the loudest Australians, um, at least on social media, television, anywhere outside an RSL club or other places where white people hang out. <laughs> uh, so to avoid us being overly surprised in future, we should get another bunch of uncomfortable truths just out in the open. Um, the first, of course, is Tony Abbott is the Prime Minister of Australia. 
Yeah. <laughs> there are people who voted for Tony Abbott based on his personality alone. <laughs> there are people who think it's fine to see Tony Abbott's junk hammocked in his speedos. They, they think that's just okie-dokie. Uh, people eat dead animals because they're delicious. People try not to think about the fact that animals have been grown, killed and chopped up for us to eat them. Crackling is skin and milk comes from tits. <laughs> Bindi Irwin has boobs now. <laughs> yeah. oh. I believe the person clapping was a woman, so I think that's fine. <laughs> Let me just look. Yeah, it's yep. Catherine Devaney. That's good. Uh, thank you. Mostly, women are physically weaker than men. They're more likely to make decisions based on emotion, but they're also less likely to make decisions based on what their penises want, so there's that. <laughs> Penis size does matter. Uh, not as much as you think it does, but it does. There's such a thing as too small and there's such a thing as too big, uh, but you're probably neither of those things. <laughs> we like the smell of our own farts and the smell of our own feet. We're disappointed when we pull a cotton bud out of our ears and it's more or less clean. We, we squeeze blackheads, we pick our noses, we wee in the shower, we blow our noses in the shower. Well, it, my housemate does. Some nuns are horrible, horrible people. When we see someone on the street collecting for charity or a homeless person asking for money, Sometimes we make up an excuse not to give them any. We might have one or two excuses that we use often, but we'll have one favourite excuse that we use more often than others. We don't know what to do about boat people. We'd prefer it if our children didn't turn out to be gay because life is harder for gay people. We only want to look after the planet if it's easy, comfortable and convenient. For now, though, let's separate our rubbish into vegetation, recyclables and other. <laughs> Mostly, or sometimes. Um, do I have to take the plastic off? Because I don't do that. <laughs> We're racist. We try to rise above our racist impulses, but we catch ourselves making judgments about people based on race or culture. We don't like it, but we keep doing it. We're racist. <laughs> Children are assholes. <laughs> the hey, Queen hey, has hey. a vagina. <laughs> and now we're all thinking about the fact that the Queen has a vagina. <laughs> We become less physically attracted to our partners as time goes on. Those quirky habits that at first were borderline adorable are now the reason you want to stab each other in your sleep. And, oh God, is that an ear hair? That's an ear hair. <laughs> Genitals are ugly and periods are gross. We have friends that we don't really like. Some of our friends don't really like us. <laughs> parents have a favourite child. Your parents have a favourite child. <laughs> We wonder what our friends look like having sex. We'll give money to charity, but we'd rather not volunteer. We like watching rich and famous American celebrities going mental and fucking up their lives. Somebody watches two and a half men. Liking a cause on Facebook doesn't do a goddamn thing. We pretend we have to get off the phone when we don't. We don't know what it's like to die, but we're going to find out. You washed it in the washing machine, even though it said dry clean only. You opened it at this end, even though it said open other end. You used it after its expiry date. You made it from a packet, but you told them you made it from scratch. You just scraped the mouldy bit off. When they asked if anyone had chocolate, you lied, even though you had chocolate. You didn't check what kind of eggs they were. You ate it straight out of the jar. You ate it off a knife. It fell on the floor and you picked it up and ate it. 
You ate a Chico roll. You're not always a vegetarian. You ate the whole packet yourself. You ate the whole packet yourself on the way home. You ate other people's leftovers while you were cleaning up the kitchen. You faked more orgasms than you can count. That is seriously the ugliest baby you have ever seen. You've watched tentacle porn. (laughs) We're all terrible people. Um, But just remember that however terrible a human you think you are, there are many and far worse people in the world. Most of them are running our country in media, so we're probably fucked. Yay! Joe Thornley! These days on social media, gossip is everywhere. What I liked about that, Joe, is that uh, Lewis and I were both imagining us having sex. Not, not, not together. I know what I not look together. like. Very <laughs> amateur. Tentacle porn. Yeah, tentacle porn. <laughs> now, guys, what's up? one uncomfortable truth that uh, you've got to deal with every day? Neil, do you have one? Uh, most women are actually physically stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> and mine is that I'm physically stronger than most men. I Grant Denyer owns his house. <laughs> He can't reach the high shelves, though. (laughs) That is is strangely salient. Uh, How important is it to be this cathartic? How important is it to share these truths, Lewis? Oh, pretty important, I think. I think if if people like Joe don't don't drop these truth bombs every now and again, daily life on Fairfax would have nothing to get angry about. (laughs) A rational fear. When too much truth is too much truth. Ladies and gentlemen, from YouTube, Neil Kohatka! Back to the short people. Um, So, uh, yeah, my name is Neil, and I'm kind of hoping Anthony Albanese does win the Labour leadership and eventually becomes Prime Minister, just so I can tell stupid Americans that our Prime Minister is actually named Albo. And that we also ride dingoes. Um, But, you know, I'm going to talk about the anti-discrimination laws in a second. But I've got this idea, actually, that I think they need to introduce a fair dinkum clause into Australian law. Because that's how some of these politicians expect to be treated by the public. Like, you'd have a judge talking to Craig Thompson. Like, "Uh, Mr Thompson, are you aware that you are being accused of using thousands of dollars of taxpayer money to fund your prostitution habits? Oh, yeah, mate, but the missus wasn't giving me a route, mate. (laughs) Oh, no way, I've been there. I find the defendant fair income. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that uh, is my idea. Um, recently, Abbott has actually announced that he wants to amend Section 18C of the Anti-Discrimination Act, which prohibits remarks that offend others on the basis of race or ethnicity. Now, I'm sure this is actually, like, the last thing you'd expect to hear in an inner-city arts event from a 19-year-old brown boy, but... <laughs> I kind of agree with Tony on that one policy, on that one policy. Look, I'm not an Abbott supporter. Um, I understand that the vast majority of his policies are not even suitable for the Jurassic period. And um, I can't really support a man who calls gay marriage a fashion of the moment, essentially putting it on par with Gangnam Style. But um, (laughs) 
For this one policy, I do actually agree with him because I do believe that the current emphasis on like political correctness is predominantly as a result of just dumb people saying dumb things. Like if someone says, look, this is why I disagree with the customs of a particular culture and lays out an intelligent argument without directly trying to incite hatred or violence, I think there's nothing wrong with that. But if someone says, oh, mate, you're brown and I don't like brown people, so I don't like you. Yeah, we're full, mate, yeah. <laughs> like, th that is stupid, right? But uh, we're letting the opinions of these idiots restrict the opinions of everyone else. Like, I used to be offended by things like that, obviously, but I realised that taking offence to these views is giving them way too much respect. It is just not worthy of taking offence to. And I'd implore everyone who is in a minority to have the same outlook. But, um... You know, I think people who say those types of views anyway are going to face social ostracism as if their scent of VB, persistent use of the C word, and sleeve tattoos weren't already enough. But uh, my grandparents actually migrated to this country in 1962 and people used to ask them for photos and be super nice to them because they were the only brown-skilled people in Australia at the time and as a result, they actually wanted to assimilate, you know. But uh, now the Australian stereotype is like some drunken guy with a goon sack draped in a flag like, yeah, go back to your boat, mate, yeah, because they feel threatened, you know. I feel like we can't let the sensitivities of some people as a result of the stupidity of a few others hinder everyone else's right to free speech. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but uh, feel free to applaud if you do, but uh, obviously not. Yeah, okay. Thank you. And on a personal note, obviously a lot of my comedy depends on this, so I have a vested interest uh, in being able to depict uh, cultural observations, stereotypes. Um, call it what we will. Um, to me, you know, simply where you were born or how your accent sounds shouldn't make up your entire personal context. You know, culture shouldn't be everything, so we shouldn't be, like, really hypersensitive about this. But I think that's all I'll say for now, and I've still got my fingers crossed for an Albohemoth of Labour votes in 2016. Thank you. Neil uh, Lewis, what do you think about rolling back these anti-discrimination laws as Australia's whitest black man? You are a part of a very, very small minority. Uh, that's right. As a, as a middle-class, straight, white male, I do know something about being a minority. I am... <laughs> You've had it too hard for too damn long. Am, well, um, you know, I am slightly taller than average, so <laughs> I suffer a lot. Not all shoes fit you. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these things. They're clowns. Uh, I have, don't have a joke written down here to move on, so... Uh, good job, Neil! Yay! <laughs> Irrational fear! Damn, son, where'd you find this? Now, it's been a hell of a week for our next guest. She worked at the Climate Commission and consequently last week helped decommission the Climate Commission. She's been busy rebranding and relaunching it as the crowdfunded Climate Council. Activist, lawyer, climate campaigner. With an honours degree in emissions trading, she is no stranger to dealing with hot air. Please welcome Amanda McKenzie. Grab that microphone. Grab Lewis's. Oh, yeah. Grab Joe's. Yeah. Welcome, Amanda. Now, um, um, what's going on? You don't return my phone calls? Have you been busy lately? Oh, yeah. It's been a little bit busy the last few days. <laughs> Tell me, what, when someone goes about deciding to be a campaigner um, for probably the end of the world, um, uh, what goes through their head? Why? why? Why did you decide to kind of become a climate campaigner? Oh, well... 
it's kind of hard to not do, I suppose. I, I suppose when you've got the, the end of the world, keeping the world going, which side do you choose? Well, most of us choose the other side. So <laughs> we've all been doing nothing really well for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, but I like to think that you're all on my side. Oh, we are, but just as long as you do the work. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Um, uh, now, take us through what happened this week. Something quite amazing happened this week. Uh, the Climate Commission got decommissioned by the government. And take us up to, up to speed where it's up to now. Yeah, sure. So last week, as you heard in the media, um, the Climate Commission was decommissioned and the commissioners sort of got together and um, had a chat about what they wanted to do and they'd all received a huge amount of emails and phone calls and tweets, etc., saying, we loved your work, we'd love you to continue, How cetera. many of those were from Andrew Bolt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did write a few editorials where he danced on the grave of the Climate Commission. But, um, yeah, and so they were all really inspired by that and decided that they wanted to keep going and so we sort of had this audacious idea let's start something new and see if people get behind it and we've raised um five hundred thousand dollars so far (laughs) um and importantly the five hundred thousand dollars is from over fifteen thousand people like fifteen thousand people have got online and donated to this in the last uh, just over sort of 24 hours. It's pretty amazing. Of course, um, you know, if I was a liberal, uh, I'm, I'm not telling you what I am. You're going to have to guess. Um, <laughs> though today I am dressed like Wyatt Roy. <laughs> for those observers out there. Um, now, if I was a liberal, not all Australians... Uh, the, you know, the, the liberal line would be, oh, well, this is just something that clearly uh, that all Australians didn't have to pay for. That's why we got rid of it. Um, what do you say to those people that say that? Oh, well, you know, I think providing science to the community is a service that's really important and obviously a whole bunch of other Australians think think so too. I think that it's important that the government does it, like um, providing other services like the ABC, for instance, or other things. Um, I don't think you can just crowdfund everything, but I think it's been fantastic that we've been able to get this off the ground. I think it does show that Australians really care about the issue. Um, Mark, if the ABC was crowdfunded, you'd probably get paid better for the roast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'll, t- like I'll take donations at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I like that this puts you pretty much on par with John Farnham as the only Australian thing to be backed by popular demand. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I've got a question here from Twitter. Today's IPCC, uh, uh, today's IPCC report is saying that surface temperatures haven't risen since 1998. When will Tim Flannery apologise <laughs> for being wrong? That one comes from A Bolt in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, this issue has gone round and round. The media's just got it totally wrong. But, like, there's a, ho- a certain amount of heat that is being trapped by greenhouse gases. Some of it goes to the ocean, some of it goes to the air. The ocean traps over 90%. The air traps 3%. And the air kind of fluctuates a bit. So if there was a graph, you have fast periods of air temperature rise and slow periods. And so it kind of goes up and down. So we're having a bit of a slow period, but we'll have a fast period. Is that kind of like when you put thing. Mentos in Diet Coke? Is that, <laughs> is that, is that what happened there? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Now, tell, tell, tell me about going when you were climate campaigning in the early days. Um, you travel around the country trying to convince people uh, about what was happening in the climate. Did you kind of meet any opposition <laughs> on the streets? Yeah, well, there was a few people that were um, took us on in some interesting ways. We had one guy brought his own massive snowman <laughs> to one of our events. It was unclear what the message was about the snowman. <laughs> um, it was also in Mackay, so it lasted about three <laughs> seconds. So I was. 
And um, his, so he was standing at the front shouting um, obscenities into the street as people were arriving at our event. Um, and then his mate managed to get inside and dress in a penguin suit and run into the hall like midway screaming. <laughs> and again, what was... I don't know what the message was. Penguin suit and a snowman, it was unclear. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, uh, when, when you first started out becoming a climate campaigner, what was the tipping point for you? What was the catalyst for you that you went, you know what, I'm going to probably try and dedicate a large chunk of my life now to this? Um, it might be a bit cheesy story, given what I do now, but it was actually... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually read Tim Flannery's book, The Weathermakers. Oh, well, typical. I <laughs> and um, I read the story and um, I had been working on a bunch of sort of social, social justice issues and I thought, well, shit, this is the biggest issue that humanity's ever faced. It's the biggest um, issue of human suffering that we'll ever face. So Apart from the end of Breaking Bad, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, I didn't mean to deflate yeah, yeah. your, uh, your <laughs> rather earnest, lovely moment there with a cheesy yeah. pop culture reference. But I thought since Chris Taylor's not here, pop culture reference, that'll be my job. Yeah, yeah sure, Dan. <laughs> so oh. what, happens, what happens to you guys now? What's the next step? You, is there a certain amount of money you have to get to before you can progress or are you just like, you're off? Saving the world. Yeah, well, we're off saving the world. That's the yeah. idea. So we don't... We've literally just started setting up an organisation. We don't have any employees or anything happening yet. That's all going to happen as quickly as possible. But Is it like in your mum's garage? Is this like a Steve Jobs <laughs> Apple scenario? <laughs> yeah, I it's reckon... It's in Tim Flannery's greenhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the busiest unemployed person in Australia. Mm. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a, a crazy few weeks sort of pulling it together, but we've already got sort of 40,000 people on Facebook liking it and sharing it, and so I think there'll be a great community out there ready to sort of put the information to the public. And then, and then your, so your stated goal, what you guys really want to do is, is just be providing information. Yeah, that's... I don't mean to say just providing information, but... Yeah, well, I think the public narrative depends on having accurate information about the science. And you have a lot of opinions swirling around and a really polarised debate and certain commentators pushing some of those lines. So we need access to people that are just going to tell it straight and give people what the facts are. There are some other organisations that do this similar work and there's been a little bit of criticism that, you know, you guys come in with your, with your fancy new logo, <laughs> taking all the money. Which looks heaps like Creative Commons, it's can really I just say. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that Creative Commons have like a licensing thing about that, but... <laughs> I know that that's, a, that's two C's next to each other. This is a C within a C, so uh, uh, you're wrong. Maybe it looks like uh, CC's. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. It does look like CC's. <laughs> Thank you. Looks like something. <laughs> yeah. So, so what... what what, what's that? Can you address that criticism? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's a bit weird if people... Um, we've been in the space, obviously, for two years. And so there was only a week when we didn't exist. I don't know, like, who filled it. Well, it wasn't even a week. Was it for, like, four days? Yeah. So I don't think someone filled it in that four days. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then all these people jumped on it and said, it's a great idea. So, yeah, we're going to run with it. Two days, $500,000, 15,000 members. That is an incredible story. Amanda McKenzie, please thank her. <laughs> thank, thank you. Now, before we say goodbye, before we say goodbye, we want to leave you with what you should be scared about next week. Here is Mark Humphrey with the top three fearsome fears. Well, it seems the Sydney City Roosters will win the Rugby League Grand Final after scoring a try on the 23rd tackle. That's not bad, is it? Uh, Clive Palmer will secure a Senate seat, proving that if you put your mind to it, any billionaire can grow up to become a senator. And also on that, Clive Palmer will actually still demand another recount, uh, this time claiming Alan Alder got more votes in the final season of The West Wing. So there you go. 
And that's it for Rational Fear. Please thank our guests. The Rational Fear is produced for Ed Bayer for the Fear Radio by Danny Lick. This episode is written by Stephen K. Smith, James Cullen, Mark Humphreys, Stephen James, Dylan Bain, Alice Gabbard, Ewan Hollingsworth. Thanks to our panel, Mark Humphreys, Anthony Riley, Neil Kahadka, Lewis Hubbard, Joe Thornley, Amanda McKenzie, Dylan Bain on decks. Follow us on Rational Fear on social media. And remember, there is always something to be scared of. Good night! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.